What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Mafia Podcast, NBA edition. My name is Jordan Jica, a.k.a. Dr. Fantasy, and I'm here, as always, with my NBA co-host, the Fantasy Caveman. We are towards the end now of our mini-series where we are talking about each and every NBA team going over their 2019-2020 season and then previewing their upcoming off-season. Today, we will be talking about the Indiana Pacers. So to kick off, I will recap their season last year. They went 45-28. and 28. They were the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference under head coach Nate McMillan, who is no longer there. So we'll have a head coach opening to discuss. They were swept by Miami pretty handily in the first round of the playoffs. Some of their season leaders, TJ Warren was their point leader with 19.8 points, Sabonis with 18.5, Malcolm Brogdon 16.5, Victor Oladipo didn't play a ton, but he averaged 14.5, Jeremy Lamb averaged 12.5, and then Miles Turner with 12.1, rebound leader Sabonis with 12.4, Miles Turner behind him with 6.6, assist leader Malcolm Brogdon with 7.1, Sabonis and TJ McConnell tied for fifth behind him. Steel leader, you had Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren and Justin Holiday. I wanted to say Aaron Holiday, but that's the wrong Holiday. Oh. All tied with 1.2 steals. And then their block leader was Miles Turner with 2.1. Caveman, anyone in particular that stood out to you for the Pacers this year? Okay. Uh, uh, first thing, you want to. I mean, I think I'm going to start doing this. I, I want you to I, – I'll, I'll give you a guess on who you think the plus-minus leader was for the Pacers this season. Okay. I'd say it was Sabonis. It was Sabonis. Plus 2.6. Uh, and quickly before I go over what impressed me, I mean, you look at the point – I think this might be the first time we've seen the points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks leader all be a different person. Yeah. So so that so that was kind of, so that so that's kind of you don't you don't really see that it's not, it's not like the box with Giannis 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 Giannis. Yeah, I think he led every single category. He probably did. <laughs> uh, a couple of guys I impressed me. We start off with uh, Sabonis, who who really I think I mean you look at him. He said nineteen points, twelve rebounds, five assists. He's really having. Uh, an all-star caliber season, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a shame that he went down right before the, right before the bubble. So we kind of, that combined with the Oladipo clearly not being a hundred percent. Brogdon wasn't a hundred percent either. Warren got hurt in the, Warren, Warren, I don't know. He got hurt. He got hurt at some point in the bubble. So but you look at Sabonis, I think he, you're going to see him. He's going to be take the, if he's not already, he's going to take a leap as probably one of the best uh, big men in the NBA. At, and he just, I mean, he shot, shot above 50% from the field. So, you know, I'm kind of interested to see with him being able to play a full season. I think you're going to see him take a leap into being one of the best uh, big men in uh in the East and NBA in general. And then also want to bring up, I mean, you got, you can't talk about the Pacers without talking about the bubble performance of TJ Warren. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what got into him or what happened, 
during the during that cause. I mean, obviously he he kind of crashed and burned at the end, but the ride the ride that T.J. Warren was on, I think he. Uh, I know when they released it, but I'm pretty sure I I don't I don't know what bubble team he made offhand. It might have I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't the first bubble. Yeah, he was first team all. Yeah, so, so I figured. Uh, I mean, like I said, he and he was their leading scorer this season. Now, would that have been the case had Brogdon been healthy all year and Oladipo been healthy? And that probably not, but I mean. The Pacers could rely on T.J. Warren for some scoring, and that they didn't really have a ton of a ton of guys that they could rely on consistently for that scoring, with everybody uh, being hurt there. Yeah, and I mean, there's not very many guys that stood out. I mean, besides who you mentioned, T.J. Warren's bubble performance is a really interesting one to discuss because mm-hmm. when you look at the All Bubble First Team, which one of these players doesn't belong? Damian Lillard, James Harden, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, <laughs> and TJ Warren. I mean, that was the all-bubble first team, you know? So that's how good he was, though. I mean, he had a very impressive bubble run. He averaged 28 points in the bubble. He proved that he's definitely um, a scoring threat in the NBA. He's just got to do that consistently for a whole season. And we'll talk a little bit about the cap situation in a few minutes here. But I think kind of the key to this team taking the next step forward is going to be a lot of internal improvement next year between TJ Warren. So he's kind of that borderline all-star. I mean, him taking another step forward and Sabonis. Sabonis, I would say, is an all-star player now. He's Mm -hmm. still very young. He's only 24 years old. I think if he can take that next step into superstar territory, which he definitely can, he's going along a similar progression as Jokic a little bit. Jokic, it took him a few years to really turn it on, and obviously we know how he's performing now. So Sabonis is still really young, and uh, I think he's taking the right steps to become a superstar, and I think that's really key for this franchise moving forward. Um, Besides that, I mean... Their starting lineup is very solid, and we'll look at that in a minute. Uh, Miles Turner is very good defensively. Uh, One thing I did want to mention with Sabonis, his player efficiency rating, which is pretty widely used to just grade players, he was 30th in the entire league. So he's really a team's number one player. So um, not really a superstar, but definitely an all-star caliber player. Mm -hmm. So besides that, yeah, Miles Turner was definitely strong defensively. I mentioned he Mm -hmm. averaged over two blocks a game. I don't think he's ever going to become that star that a lot of people thought he could be but i i like i i like miles turner but i'm so it's look at i i was definitely expecting more rebounds out of him like what six and a half rebounds for a guy that's seven foot i mean and and a lot of questions you know and this will be my another biggest bigger question mark going forward for them is does that sabonis and uh, Turner pairing work is that going to work long term? I think that might be. You've heard some rumblings about them possibly moving on from Turner this off season, but we'll have to we'll we'll have to see there. But I, mean, I like Turner, but he just he's one of the more frustrating players to watch in the NBA. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, let's go over what their starting lineup looks like currently, and then we'll talk about some of their free agents. Starting point guard right now is Malcolm Brogdon, who we also didn't really discuss, but he had a really solid season last year as well. Uh, behind him, we have Aaron Holiday, uh, and that is correct. It's not just an Aaron Holiday. They had both the holidays last year. Oh, they did. 
And then they uh, TJ McConnell behind him at the one. At the two, Victor Oladipo, Jeremy Lamb, Aaron Holiday. At the three, they had TJ Warren, Justin Holiday. Um, <laughs> and then Doug McDermott played a few minutes there. At the four, they had Sabonis, Doug McDermott, and uh, Jakar Sampson. And then at the five, they had Miles Turner. Um, Sampson can play there, but... They really don't have many names behind Miles Turner on the depth chart at center. They have Sabonis listed as their backup center right now, so um, mm-hmm. not really much depth there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go over some of their free agents that they have here and how that's going to impact their depth chart. Not too many big names. Justin Holiday is going to be a free agent. Jakar Sampson. I have to mention all these minimum salary and two-way contracts because K-Man gets mad if I don't. Elise Johnson, Brian Bowen, and Nas Mitru Long. He was on a two-way contract. That's a cool so, name. So, um, trying to see if they have uh, T.J. McConnell has a team option for three and a half million. Uh, I believe that's all the options that they have here. So, not many big names. One thing I will mention. Right now, in committed salaries, they have $124 million Oops. heading Oops. into the season. Uh, usually, teams don't really want to go over that 135 to 140 range right now. Otherwise, they're going to start getting into the luxury tax. So, uh, really not much room to play with here. So, do you think that they need to retain any of these lower-end players? And do you think that they should pick up McConnell's option? I mean... What what I for, I didn't remember all my what'd you say McConnell's option was? Three and a half million. Okay, that's I mean that's I mean that that's not gonna make or break them either way, so they can pick that up. I he's a he's a nice solid uh depth guard, but I mean <clears throat> Justin Holiday is the big name here now. Based on their cap situation and based on the fact that when we talk about when, in pretty, almost every single one of the uh, pods that we've done, Justin Holiday's name has came up. So I think that's a pretty good indication that the Pacers will not be able to retain him. I mean, they just don't have the don't they just don't have the financial means to retain Justin Holiday. So as much as I think he'd be perfect for them to be able to retain, I just don't see it uh, possible. Given their uh, given their cap situation, so it's unfortunate there. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be challenging. I will say that does it help that his brother plays there? I mean, that's a question to rise up. It will say that the Pacers can afford to pay him twelve to fifteen. I think really that's going to be their max here, somewhere in that range, and that's really all that they'll have open. I mean, can they afford to give him that? And would Justin Holiday accept that? Maybe and. Uh, I'm not sure if he enjoys playing with his brother. I think that can go either one of two ways. So, <laughs> But, I mean, I think that's a question, too. Maybe that's something a lot of people aren't considering. But if he wants to stay there, the Pacers do have a little bit of money. And I don't know how much he's going to command on the open market, honestly. Would it really be above that 12 to $15 million mark? I, he might. I, I, I think he might be in that. I think... The player, player like him, he's probably one of the premier, one of the better three and D. Which I don't think there's a ton of of uh, high end three and D players in this free agent class. I think he's one of 
he might be one of the be- he might be one of one of if not the best three and D player in this uh, free agent class. So I could see him commanding. I wouldn't be shocked if I see him getting around fifteen million a year. Yeah, and that would really be the maximum that they could offer him. I mean, that might even be pushing it a little bit. But like I said, if he wants to stay and play with his brother, that might be a consideration for him. Um, So we'll go over. Not much to talk about free agent-wise here. We'll go over and talk about some of their off-season needs. And I know we'll talk about the head coaching vacancy a little bit as well. So uh, what notes do you have here? Oh, yeah, might as well. I mean, obviously with the off-season needs, Biggest thing for me is obviously you gotta find a head coach. You don't, you really can't do a ton without a head coach. Uh, a couple names. I mean, uh, a name that I'd like. Although they are, as of this episode, they're expected. Uh, they're strongly expected to hire uh, Ham, who is assist, who was the assistant for the Bucks, but that doesn't really do anything for me. Uh, he's just kind of like a name. Uh, so I'm going to throw out a couple names here. I mean, the first one, uh, Chauncey Billups. He's been floated around as a possible head coach. Uh, I mean, no head coaching experience, but we saw we just saw it with the Nets hiring Steve Nash. Uh, that honestly is, isn't that big of a deal in today's NBA. I don't think there's a lot of teams that don't care so much for a guy that has the head coaching experience. They're willing to go out on the limb and kind of take chances on guys. I think when you talk about Chauncey Billups, who is one of the is, is one of the better point guards of in recent memory. Uh, think if if any position has a chance to succeed as a head coach, it's it's going to be a point guard, and especially one like Billups. So I'd like to see him get a shot along the lines of what Steve Nash just got. Another name, and this is kind of like a pipe dream for maybe the whole Indiana fan base, but what do you think about Reggie Miller coming out of the analyst ranks? I mean, it sounds crazy, but you got to Reggie Miller is might, might be the most beloved pacer of all time. And he, he is he's currently an analyst, but... We saw Steve Kerr make the jump from analyst to coach, and that turned out pretty, you know, well, I would say, for for Steve Kerr. So, I mean, obviously, it might not be that much of a realistic uh, option for him, but I think that's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, that's a fun name to, to, to throw out there. What do you think? I mean, I'm sure Pacers fans would absolutely love it. I mean, I don't know. Reggie Miller, I I mean, I don't know how to say it nicely exactly, but I feel like he's the kind of guy. It'd be like Michael Jordan. I don't think Michael Jordan would be a good head coach because he just had this natural talent. You know, sometimes it's hard for guys like that to coach. I mean, we've seen very rarely have we seen a superstar player become a really good head coach. I mean, that's been the reality. It's happened several times. It tends to be more of those point guard guys that we consider to be leaders on the court during their playing days. I mean, Reggie Miller got a little hot-headed during his time on the court. <laughs> I don't know if he has the right attitude, honestly, to be a head coach. That would be my only question. It would be fun to watch, don't get me wrong. Yeah. As somebody that's not invested in the Pacers at all. I I know, like, we're, not, we're not Pacers fans, so they can do it all they want. 
Uh, I mean, I honestly think based on the finalists for the head coaching job right now, I think it's going to be somebody very uninteresting. I think they're looking based on the finalists that I've read. I mean, you mentioned Darvin Ham from the Bucks. Um, they're looking at a lot of assistant coaches right now. Seems like they're going in the direction of hiring a first-time head coach, which is kind of an interesting decision. But other names that are uh, confer- not confirmed, but rumored finalists right now, two Miami Heat assistants who were just announced as finalists a few days ago, Dan Craig and Chris Quinn. Um, so not big names there. I, I, Nate, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know who those guys are. <laughs> Chris Quinn was a uh, bench guard for a few years. I remember him a little bit. Um, Nate Jorkin, who is currently a lead assistant for the Raptors. Uh, you mentioned Chauncey Billups, who's been rumored to be one of the finalists. Uh, Mike Brown interviewed for the position, but it seems like he's not going to be a finalist for the job. So that just tells you the direction that they're going in. Yeah. And then it is rumored that Mike D'Antoni has an interviewed there. Uh, doesn't seem like he's a finalist, but he has interviewed there. So, um, why but is he still getting, why is he getting interviews? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess he kind of makes sense for. I mean, the Pacers are in a weird position, and we'll talk about their future shortly. But um, I really seems to me that they're going to go in the direction of somebody unknown, and I don't necessarily have a problem with that because. There's nothing wrong with going into the unknown. Mike Malone with the Nuggets is a prime example. I mean, nobody really knew who Mike Malone was. He came from a great coaching tree, and he's done great with the Nuggets. So if there's a, a assistant coach that fits the style of play that the Pacers want to have, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I don't think this is a team that's rebuilding. I also don't think this is a team that's winning a championship. So they're in that weird middle range which is perfect because they were the four seed last year so they're literally just that mid-level playoff team so um, I'm interested to see who they hire I don't think hiring an assistant coach with no experience necessarily means they're rebuilding I think a lot of people read into it but they're looking at top assistants from the top teams in the leagues I mean we're not talking about them hiring somebody from the Knicks here I mean we're looking at the Raptors the Bucks, the Heat um, nobody on the Lakers from what I saw, but a lot, um, I think they hired or uh, were talking to somebody from the Clippers as well. I don't think they're a finalist, but there's been several names from top organizations. So um, it's an interesting decision. Uh, you know, it's hard to analyze some of these assistant coaches and how they would do mm-hmm. as head coaches because it's just different. I mean, you don't have the responsibility of leading a team when you're an assistant coach. It's a little more of a you can be more of an X's and O's kind of guy, especially if you have a strong head coach. So, you know, it's hard to say. I know people say this is a good hire. This is a bad hire. I never like to analyze new head coaches. I like to give them an opportunity because honestly, we have no idea if they're being hired. We know at least they have the respect of their former players as an assistant. So, I mean, that's really all you can say about it. So, um, I, I really expect them to make it unexciting unless they go out and get Mike D'Antoni, which I don't think helps or really hurts them at this point. It's just kind of <laughs> blah. But yeah. um, on the court, what positions do you think they need to address oh. this year? All right. Uh, I mean, to start off, I mean, and I and I I'm kind of I've been on the I've been on the fence with this, but I think they need obviously if they lose Justin Holiday, they're gonna have to replace him with a cheaper option. Yep. So a solid three and D player, and even if they retain, even if they somehow magically retain Justin Holiday, 
you kind of look at the Indiana Pacers, and they don't really have a lot of shooters. I mean, they, I mean, they're kind of nobody. Nobody on the team really stands out to you as a really good or three point threat. So, kind of that in general. And another, and I think another big thing they need to decide. I think this is going to be critical for the future of their franchise. They need to decide if, and we, I mentioned this briefly earlier. earlier but they need to decide if Sabonis and Turner work well in in that uh, front court. I know that's been a lot of rumblings. You know, is, is that pairing going to work long term? Uh, so they they need to decide that. I mean, for me, I think I personally think that they should uh, kind of try, try to try to see what at least see what you can get for a guy like Turner, who's still not that. Not that I don't know. I don't have Turner's age offhand or anything. I think he's twenty-four. Uh, okay, so he's he's still young yet. But I just think I like I would like to see them move Sabonis to the five and uh, obviously Warren at the four, and then find a strong three and D player to to slide into that uh, three three spot here. What do you what do you, what, do you, what do you think of the? Uh, what do you think of the long-term uh, pairing of Sabonis and Turner in that front court? Do you think it? Do you think it could work? I mean, I think it can. Miles Turner, I think of as more of a. Tr- I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, a lot of their skill set can cross over. I think you saw for Miles Turner. I think he will be frustrated enough to where he wants to leave. I mean, one of the reasons he struggled in the paint getting rebounds was because of Sabonis. So um, you can definitely see where their skill set cross over a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I think if you use Sabonis off the ball a little more or, uh, I mean, out of the paint a little more, I think it can work. Because um, Miles Turner, I think of as a little more of a traditional center personally. Um, so I don't know. It's... <laughs> It's tough. Do I think it's a perfect pairing? No. Do I think it's the worst pairing in the world? No. I mean, we saw Miles Turner stretch his game a little bit and start to play uh, out of the paint a little more. He took four threes a game last year on average. He didn't shoot a great percentage, but he was trying to change his game a little bit. That's the first time we've really seen him take a good number of threes every game. So I don't know. It's one of those pairings for me. I would probably move on from it personally because my philosophy is always if it's not going to win you a championship, then what are you wasting your time with? And I mean, that's the reality is I don't think that's a championship combination. But if they think either one of those players can play out of the paint more, um, I think it can work. But um, I, I think they have to ask themselves that internally. The one that we were talking about before this episode started was Victor Oladipo a little bit. Yeah. So we'll, I'll mention him quickly. I think that's an interesting name. I've seen a lot of trade rumors with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this, well, I guess it's not the off season. Yeah. I want to say off season, but it's not quite the, it's the Pacers. Off season. The Pacers off season. I've seen quite a few rumors with Victor Oladipo moving on. We'll see. Uh, I mean, this is the last year of his contract. If this was a long-term deal, I think it would make more sense for them to try to get rid of it. Um, I mean, they're kind of in a situation now where I think Victor Oladipo does help this team win short-term. So Mm -hmm. if the package isn't right, I wouldn't be running out to trade Victor Oladipo. But I've seen some scenarios potentially where the Knicks will overpay for a guy like Oladipo just to get some talent. 
in that case, yeah, absolutely get rid of him. But, I mean, it has to be the right package. I wouldn't trade him for, like, a second-round pick. I just don't think that's worth it long-term, okay. even to get the potential of a young player. Because Oladipo did struggle in the bubble, but he averaged almost 18 points in the playoffs. So you started to see him kind of come around a little bit. So I think with a full off season of rest, he'll be good to go for next season and could be an important piece. So um, I think this could be either, I think this could be a pretty boring off season for the Pacers, mm-hmm. especially if they hold on to Oladipo. Um, we'll see. I, I don't know what they're going to do with Miles Turner because the decision's easy. If you're saying, do we keep Sabonis or Miles Turner? That's not even a question. Mm-hmm. You're getting rid of Miles Turner in that case. But I could see them keeping everybody on this roster, spending the last little bit of money they have on Justin Holiday, and this team being almost exactly the same. I mean, I, that's, <laughs> especially they don't have a first round pick. So it's not like they can go out and grab a piece that's important to the future of this franchise. So I think it could be really unexciting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you have any? Uh, do you have? Do you have? Do you have, do you have any other notes on their offseason needs or? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you mentioned if they do lose Justin Holiday, they'll have to go out and get a wing player. Um, I mean, I think they need some depth behind Miles Turner and Sabonis. Both of these guys have had some injury concerns in the past, and not that that's going to affect them in the future, but there really is no depth behind those two. And there's a ton of veteran centers in this year's class. You know, I've mentioned guys like Myers, Leonard, and Mason Plumley in the past. So I think a name like that, a veteran presence off of the bench, would be uh, another need. That's the only other need. The only other point I was going to say is this is a team, and I kind of mentioned it before, that they are just kind of an average playoff team right now. The way that this team is constructed right now, they're not going to win a championship. Will they make the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely they will. But they're almost like the Nuggets without the star power of Jokic right now. And I said, if Sabonis takes that leap, I could see the Pacers being better. But, I mean, can we realistically see this roster winning a championship? I mean, I can't. You really need a superstar, at least one in today's game. And they really, I mean, I never considered Victor Oladipo a superstar. I mean, they do have quite a few stars, which is kind of interesting. You don't see this construction as often in today's NBA because mm-hmm. you could argue that Sabonis, TJ Warren, Oladipo, and Brogdon are all all-star caliber players. Yeah. Very few rosters have four all-star caliber players, but uh, just none of them stand out to me as a superstar. So I, you know, it's going to be hard for them to win a championship unless internally one of these guys becomes a superstar. I mean, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, that kind of makes their, their. I mean, with not having a first rounder, that kind of, you know, they really can't do anything there. Uh, an interesting, we don't, and we don't really. I mean, I, I, I don't think either one of us really like projecting out second round picks because you just, you just <laughs> never know. But one name that I that I have heard kind of floated around is your boy Marcus Howard. In the second round for him, I think you know, I think if, if with the Pacers second rounder, I honestly think they just need to get somebody that can shoot the ball, take a chance on a guy that someone can, that, that uh someone someone that can shoot the ball. I think Marcus Howard, you know, it's their second round pick. I mean, why not? They like they most of the roster spots will already be filled next season. They don't have really have many free agents. So, and another, I mean, if they don't. Resign Justin Holiday. I mean, 
again, this is a name that they've throw that we throw around pretty much every mm-hmm. every uh every preview, but a guy a guy like Jay Crowder that they don't replace. Uh Justin Holiday. Now I feel like in order for the Pacers to pull off uh, Jay Crowder, they'd probably have to offer him their entire mid-level exception, which mm-hmm. that's really not a good position to be. Not really a good position to be in. You never, you never want to offer somebody the entire mid-level exception. That's just. But honestly, that's in the situation they're at. If they wanted to get a guy like Jay Crowder, they probably would have to do that. Because you look at Jay Crowder and the money he's going to command. There's going to be a lot of teams with Jay Crowder that throw the same amount of money at him. Yeah. You look at it, and there's going to be... there. He's probably going to get, like, 10 offers that are, like, very similar. So, if the Pacers want to be that team that kind of stick out, that's a situation where you're going to... Jay Crowder is a perfect example of a guy that's probably going to get overpaid come this offseason because so many teams are going to be buying for their for services and you're going to have one team that's going to want to stick out above everybody else and they'll and how they'll do that is they'll just pay him a crap ton of more money so yeah that wouldn't surprise me but yeah i mean i think overall it's going to be a pretty unexciting offseason for the pacers unless they make a move for victor oladipo or to move on from him that makes it a little more interesting I guess we'll uh, go into where we see them finishing in the future, and I kind of already said where I stand. If this roster stays how it is, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they were exactly the four seed again. And, uh, I mean, they did deal with, with some injuries this year, um, so maybe they could finish higher than that, but I really can't see them finishing higher than the Bucks or the Celtics or the Raptors or even, I mean, they finished higher than the Heat this year, but I don't see that happening again. So, I mean, they'll be right around that four to six range in the East as of right now. And I really can't see them competing for a championship until one of these guys makes a jump to become a superstar. And it's not going to happen overnight. Even if Sabonis has a huge year next year, he, you know, they're not going to be ready to take that jump yet. So I think uh, it's going to take some time. And then after this season, we'll have a lot to talk about. They have quite a few guys coming off the books after this year, including Victor Oladipo. So that'll leave a pretty big hole in their starting lineup and give them a little bit of cap space, which they don't have right now. So <laughs> I think there'll be a little more to talk about. But as of right now, I expect them to make the playoffs, maybe have a first or second round exit and and that's where it stands. Yeah, it's kind of you know they're just kind of one of those teams now. And we've been talking about that. We don't we we well so we've done all our previews on got on the teams that haven't made the playoffs. You look at a lot of teams that didn't make the playoffs in the East last year. Like they're gonna be looking to make that jump into the playoffs, which means that somebody's gonna a teams are gonna have to fall out. Now, I don't think. Realistically, I can sit here today and say that Indiana Pacers won't make the playoffs because that's that's kind of silly. But it's a situation where I could see the Pacers, you know, falling down to. I think they could fall down as far as six, seven. I mean, they. I mean, they weren't that far. They weren't that. I mean, they were. Uh, they were barely out of the Miami Heat, so. So they're already close to being the five seed. 
So, I mean, with all the other teams up and coming in uh, in the Eastern Conference, I think, you know, I don't think the Pacers miss the playoffs, but it's a situation where I could see them end up knocking down a few spots in the regular season. And like like you mentioned, they just, they're kind of a vanilla middle of the road, you know, the kind of, they kind of are what they are. I mean, if they move Oladipo or they move Miles Turner, then we'll have to see what kind of package that brings and see if that changes the outlook at all. But as it stands right now, they're, they're, a, they're a meth. They're, they're okay. You're, you're an okay playoff team. That's set up for, uh, probably more than likely a first a first round exit so they kind of they kind of just are what they are yeah yeah and it seems kind of boring to talk about because it kind of is honestly yeah um you know it is what it is so any other notes that you have on the pacers here uh nope all right so i think that's all that we have for the pacers today we appreciate everybody who is watching And we're making our way through the playoff teams that were eliminated right now. So make sure you tune in for that. We'll have the Nuggets coming up next. And obviously they had a very exciting run. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to discuss. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It goes on all major platforms. Like the Fantasy Mafia on Facebook. And make sure you join our group on Facebook, the Fantasy Hotspot, to talk all things sports. So we appreciate you guys watching, and I will see you. We will see you next time. Yeah, I don't matter, I guess. Nope. <laughs>